When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hola, amigos. This is Ray Hudson from BN Sports and Sirius XMFC. And you are listening to Barca Talk. Today on Barca Talk, FC Barcelona look like they're starting to find their rhythm and attacking form. Barca beat Osasuna 4-0 with a balanced attack and all four attacking players netting goals. The young players have stepped up and are making the team more dynamic and dangerous. Has Kuhn found the best lineup in formation going forward? Hello, everyone. Welcome to Barca Talk, part of the Blood Ground Ground podcast network. I am Gabriel Quiroga here in Madrid and joining me today from the UK is Craig McGough. Craig... How are we doing, buddy? Really good. And that's a yeah. genuine, that's a genuine, really good. There's no sarcasm there. Really good, my friend. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm just uh, recovering from post to Thanksgiving bliss here. <laughs> uh, I think, I think I've eaten more this weekend than I have all year, but it was definitely worth it. Good. Uh, I was able to have the traditional Thanksgiving with some American friends here. So I was really good. And like you said, I think, you know, the last couple episodes that we recorded, we kind of been, eh, it's okay and fine. Mm. But I think... This past week, we finally may have some positivity and hope, and I know we're gonna we're gonna talk about the match soon. But yeah, I mean, I think we're both doing much better from this week, no? Yeah, absolutely, finally, some, <laughs> finally, some things to be thankful for. I think, um, and yeah, we've had some very negative episodes. I imagine this will be positive, but a lot of what we said, a lot of what our patrons have said. It's kind of played out in the last week, and I think that's been really interesting. Is that it, you know, whilst it isn't the case that Kuman's been listening, obviously, <laughs> it, at least there's some synergy to what we all thought would work, and it kind of has shown some green shoots. So yeah, I'm I'm in a really good place this week, to be honest. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, and you know, the first, let's start off with some positive news today. Obviously, is the anniversary of FC Barcelona. 121 years old. Happy birthday, mm-hmm. Feliz Cumple, and all those things. <laughs> and I, di- I didn't know this, but I didn't realize that it was the 10-year anniversary of the Manita, the 5-0 under Pep. Mm-hmm. And that just kind of comes full circle of that anniversary. And again, you know, we've talked about that 5-0, how important it was, not only, you know, the way it changed football going forward, not only for Barcelona, but also the Spain national team. Mm-hmm. But again, it's crazy to think that this club you know, for me as an American, you know, recent country and all this stuff with this 121 history of the club. Yeah, I mean, it's what a journey. And for anyone who hasn't, I would implore them to read A People's Passion by Jimmy Burns. Uh, Jimmy is a, is a really, really good guy. He's also a member of the same Pena I'm a member of. Um, and that book is absolutely phenomenal. So if you haven't, you should get a read of that. And 
you know, we, we are truly a, a club that's been blessed. You've mentioned the Manita. I mean, we, we, just in our supporting lifetime, we've had the, the, the Manita, sure. we've had the 6-2 game. A little bit further back, we've had a few Manitas. We've had, you know, now several Champions Leagues uh, and European Cups. But, you know, if you go back through our history, particularly during the dark days of Franco and fascism, we're a club that survived a significant amount of oppression, uh, obviously in a country that's had a significant amount of oppression. So, yeah, it's... At times, it's a pleasure supporting Barcelona, but I think you know, on, on times like the birthday, the anniversary, let's not forget the humble roots and, and the hard roots that the club's gone through. And you know, I, as much as I might be complaining recently, I, I feel very honoured to be a fan of this great club. Sure, so do I. You know, and like you said, you know, the, the past you know twelve years have been bliss. You know, yeah. you dream of this as a pro sports supporter. You know, this type of run, this type of dominance, this type of you know, beauty, you know, I mean, that's the other thing too, you know, it's not just winning one style. It was the beauty that we saw. And, and like I said, it's, it's really fortunate. Obviously we're going through a transition period. And Hmm. like you said, it's, you know, it's it's an honor to follow this club because, you know, we all have gravitated to this club in some way or another, whatever that that, is. That's it. And, you know, it it brings people together. It's It's an identity and a style of football that brings people together. I mean, an American in Madrid, like yourself, you know, you've got myself here in the UK, and if you just our our patrons, you know, we're we're spread far and wide. If you look at the the, the World Congress of Peñas when they come together, you know, we've sure. got, we, we've got two, maybe three here in the UK alone. You've got one in Ireland, and you can go through every, almost every country in the world and find some kind of link to, uh, you know, to Kule somewhere. And I just think what what an institution, and you know, even in the dark days that we have. You know, let's not lose sight of you know just what this means and a, a humble, a humble game from a humble root back in the you know in the day in, in Barcelona, and all of a sudden you've got this huge force for good, hopefully across the world. And yeah, it's, it might sound like you know hyperbole, but I genuinely believe FC Barcelona stands for more than just football. And whilst Mescu and Club at times looks a bit uh, difficult, you know, in, in this day and age, it it matters and it means something. And I would you know we, we stand for something. We have a cause. What do Hatafe stand for? That's what I ask you, Gabriel. What do Hatafe stand for? No matter what, in the spirit of Thanksgiving, I am thankful I'm not a Hatafe fan and I'm a Barca fan. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm there with you. And uh, yeah, you know, and we talked about this week, you know, and I always joke around with Mariana in the Barca Talk Cafe, just about the ups and downs of the news of this club. And unfortunately, this week we got the bad news of the Diego mm. Armando Manadona passed away on Wednesday. Yeah. And you know, I were kind of talking about this on WhatsApp, but how we were going to come at this angle. Let me just first is bring out some of the stats of what he did for Barcelona. So, mm. you know, he came on a five million pound transfer from Boca Juniors after the 82 World Cup. And he played two seasons in Barcelona, uh, 22 total goals, won the Copa del Rey, Spanish League Cup, Spanish Super Cup. Now, I told you, you know, I understand the passion and everyone's romanticism, especially when we always talk about the past and these great players like Pelé and Cruyff and so forth. But I, you know, Craig, I really have a complicated past with Maradona because obviously as a football, he's a god, right? There's no doubt about it. There's no question. But as a man... It's super complicated. And like I told you in our WhatsApp conversation, he's the first athlete that I remember following as a young child that was suspended in the 94 World Cup for drugs. You know, and that to me was like an eye opening experience where it was, wow, these athletes are humans and they make bad decisions. Yeah, it's yeah, he's a very complex man. And I was was having this conversation with my wife today and I was saying Maradona for me is interesting because my, my three heroes in world football are Messi, Maradona and Cruyff. 
and, and not just because not just because they played for Barcelona. In in fact, the reason that I follow Barcelona is largely because of Maradona and Cruyff having okay. played at Barca. So it's almost the other way. If Maradona had played for Ajax at some point, you could there's every chance I could have been an Ajax fan as well. But my my difficulty with Maradona, very similar to yours, I think, is that he he embodies everything that I feel a kindred spirit towards. I'm an incredibly left wing person in my outlook in life. Um, and, and whilst we don't want to be a, a, a political show, um, you know, I, I will always feel like I stand up for the working people and so did Maradona. He never forgot his roots. Um, sure. You know, I, I am very left wing and I, and I campaign passionately here in the UK for left wing causes. Um, his football was phenomenal. The way he stood up to, you know, yes, I'm British, but I have a very, very, very dim view of, of British colonialism and the empirical nature of Britain. We have done some horrific things in the course of our history and he, he stood up against that. So he embodies everything that I feel in politics and in football. And yet away from that in his personal life, he embodies everything I dislike, his attitude towards women, uh, his attitude towards drink and narcotics. I, I don't drink, I'm teetotal. His attitude towards drink and narcotics. And so mm-hmm. very similar to yourself, it wrapped up in my footballing idol is potentially my human antithesis and it's a really yeah, complex yeah, yeah. one for me and, and what struck me when I found out he died was just how broken I felt in terms of my opinion I was when Cruyff died I was at the point of tears to be honest yeah when, when Messi dies I imagine I will feel the same when I heard the Maradona news I just felt numb and I wonder if that's yeah, me where too. we are so you know I'm, I'm, I'm with you it's complex and you know I, I I wonder if Maradona's legacy will change over the next coming decades as people almost forget about the bits that you've raised there I wonder if we will see yeah. a, we'll either see a strengthening or a weakening and I, I'm, I'm not sure but I think if I can just make one very quick point and I'm sorry I'm aware that I've spent a lot of time on this okay. already, um, is that you know just breaking those stats down and what he meant for Barcelona you know it, it goes beyond those stats because when you, for anyone who wasn't familiar with Maradona's time at Barcelona, yes, 22 goals over two seasons, but that was only in 34 appearances because he suffered mm-hmm. from injuries. He suffered from hepatitis while he was at Barcelona. Yeah. Um, so his stats were phenomenal. He played in some really big games. Um, he courted a lot of controversy. He was the first kind of South American party boy that we had. And Nunez at the time was saying, you know, you need to stop going out. And he's like, well, no, no, you, you, you signed Maradona, like this, this is what you get. Yeah. And I think, you know, so as well as being, you could argue the first, well, that's not strictly true because of Kubala, but, um, you know, that he, he certainly was one of the first modern foreign Galacticos, if you like, foreign mm-hmm. superstars at Barca, uh, whereas Kubala was a bit more of your working man and obviously he'd feared he'd sure. on communism and this type of a thing. So he opened the floodgates to that. He opened the floodgates to more of a market-focused, market-savvy Barcelona in a time where that really wasn't the case. The kind of tight-fisted Catalan stereotypes were still there. Yeah. I, I, I think you could really make the case that Mar- well, Maradona or Cruyff, you could argue either of them on equal footing, opened the door to the team that we that we eventually saw in terms of the style of play, the getting you know really big names in. Uh, and I think his legacy is often forgotten about with Barcelona because of what he did at Napoli, but a huge player in our history. And I, I just, I have very complicated feelings on it all, to be honest. Yeah. No, I think you, you spoke for me as well on those issues, because that's the thing is, you know, we talked about in the last two weeks, how the 1986 world cup for me is the kind of my opening experience to world football, especially in the States. And obviously the 86 world cup for Maradona was he is forever going to be mem- memorable for that performance that he did in that run. And from the 1986 to the 1990, 
probably the greatest run an individual footballer could have done. I mean, mm-hmm. just lifting Napoli on his back, basically winning Serie A and doing the things that he did for that four years. And that's the thing is that, you know, the talent that he had, the ability he was able to carry the team. I had this debate with a Italian friend of mine. That is what people gravitate, that he was able to literally take Argentina through World Cup you know, and just get them to the trophy. You know, he was able to do that. And again, you know, as you said, his time in Barcelona was very complicated, to say mm-hmm. the least. And what, what what would be your thoughts? I guess just one more very quick thing is that sure. you said he lifted Napoli to there. He also lifted Naples as a city. I mean, let's, you know, we, yeah, yeah. we, we follow a football team who is often seen as a extraño from the country that it exists in. You know, the Catalans will often be given slurs about their their lack of belonging to Spain. And you could argue in the balance of, you know, sorry, in the interest of balance, you could argue that some Catalans caught that and want that, obviously, but some obviously feel slighted by the fact that they're referred to as foreigners and, and et cetera. Sure. It is much worse, or certainly was much worse in Naples than it was in Catalonia at the time. You know, yeah. the, 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 if you ever look back to the banners, I mean, obviously the racism in the 80s was horrendous anyway, but the, the racism that, that the Neapolitans felt and Maradona going there, and he, he admitted himself he went there because no one else would take him, right, after he left Barcelona. Sure, sure, sure. But he lifted not just a team, but a region, almost a, almost a mini nation off, it, off its knees. And that's phenomenal. But then at the same time, he ended his time in Napoli in disgrace as well. So it's such a, a complex thing. And the question I was going to ask you is this. In the history of Barcelona, would Maradona make your top 10 players ever? No. And yet, if I asked you to name the best three players ever, Maradona would probably be in there. Of course. Of and course, that, that of is course. the problem with Maradona, isn't it? Is because where, yeah. does the, where does the football start and the human stop and vice versa? And that's what I think, that's the problem Maradona has. Pele, P- Pele's battles to be the best player ever starts and stops sure. the fact that he never did it outside of Brazil in terms of his club. Brazil, football. exactly. We can argue the benefits of that, but he's won World Cups. With Messi, people will say he's never won an international trophy and he probably should have left Spain, completely forgetting the fact that he's Argentinian, not Spanish. But again, a separate point. With Maradona, he's ticked every box. He's won a World Cup. I disagree ever so slightly that he dragged them there. He dragged Argentina there. I think Argentina had a decent side, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, 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 of course. He had an amazing, he had an amazing tournament, but he, he's, won a, he's won a World Cup and he played a phenomenal part in that. He has won league titles in three countries. Um, He is one of the best players ever. He's done it elsewhere. He took kicks. He could beat players. He could score. He could pass. And yet, I reckon Napoli aside, if you said to someone from Seville, who's you name Mm, me your top 10 players, Maradona might not make it. If you asked Newells, maybe he would, but it would be more... You got to look at Newell's from the prism. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to look yeah, at yeah, yeah. In, the, in the prism that they're in. Boca, yes, probably. Argentina, yes, yeah, sure. probably. But Barcelona, no. Sevilla, no. Napoli, yes. So you got two out of the three Good. clubs that he played for in Europe who would say probably not. And this, this is the Maradona conundrum, and I don't think it'll ever be solved. But what a complex man! And if anyone hasn't read, I mentioned the people's passion for for the Barcelona things. If anyone hasn't read El Diego, the the autobiography. If you want to get inside the, the the mind of the man, I think I would definitely recommend it because there's not much on the Barcelona side. You probably won't learn much yeah. as a Goulet. But to understand one of the greatest figures in world football, it's a it's a great read. Have you read it yourself? No, I haven't. No, I haven't. I've, it's a phenomenal you know, my, read. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was going to just also recommend the documentary that came out last season about his Napoli experience, which is just amazing. I just can't believe they had that footage. But again, you know, I was, you know, it's funny. I was WhatsApping with my dad this week about it. And my dad was able to see all three of these players that we always kind of debate of the top three. And he ranks them still. I mean, and I know it's kind of like maybe you would say recency bias, but my dad would rank Messi, Maradona, Pele as that. And he basically said, you know, at the time in the 80s and stuff, obviously Maradona was the superstar, things that he never saw before. But my dad always just says the consistency of what Messi has done for his career, just compared to the shortness of what Maradona is, that's where my dad always makes that comparison. Because it's just like you just talked about in Barcelona and Sevilla, he's probably not going to be on that top 10, maybe more as sentimental. You know, yeah. that type of idea, but not because of what he did and accomplished. Obviously, in Napoli, he's a god. That's a completely different story with the way he was able to, like you said, bring that city and club out of the doldrums because Syria was being dominated by AC Milan, right? And Juventus, essentially, mm-hmm. in those times. Mm-hmm. And it was the best league in the world. And he was able to come in and turn that team around. Now, again, you know, it's, you know, I'm. I, like you said, I'm just complicated as a football man. I mean, I you can't deny the talent, the things that he did. You know, you go on YouTube re- this past week and you just see all the the stories that everyone has about him on the footballing side and what he was able to do. You know, I just think it was really unfortunate. I just think the decisions he made, you know, on the other side of football, I think directly led to this early death yeah. of his. You know, and especially just again, there's always controversy around him. I mean, today in the news today, they're investigating the doctor. That yeah, was yeah. in charge of this, you know, and it's just yeah. it's these things that are just always revolving Maradona, even in passing. You know, there's two, there's two things for me. I, I, I've, I've seen two quotes this week that I think really sums it up for me in terms of how I feel about him. And the first one was I, I seen a tweet and I'm, I'm, I can't remember who 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 tweeted it out. It was a journalist. Um, and it said the issue Argentinians have is that in Maradona, they see the best of who they are and in Messi, they see the best of who they could be. And it's that, and that's the difference is that they've always taken to Maradona more and Tevez maybe that little bit more because they're from the Barrios and they're from, they grew up in the Shacks and, um, you know, they see a, a, a real poor guy made good. Whereas in Messi, you've got a middle-class kid, very polite, very placid, went to Spain very early. And I think that was a really interesting microcosm into how the Argentinians who have obviously spent a lot of their time growing up under various military slash shady uh, governments. Um, I don't want to offend any Argentinians that may be listening, but I think that's fairly well <laughs> well established yeah. that their governments haven't always been the best. Um, so I think in sure. Maradona, you've seen this real spirit of rebellion. And in Messi, you haven't. And I think that sometimes le- that leads the debate in Argentina. It's not the football yeah. people, like we've been saying. And the other thing that I think will sum up Maradona to me is that, and what, and, and what I think allows me to still love the man who does a lot of things that I hate. Anyone that raises his hand to a woman, to me, I, 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 I'm done 99.9% of the time. Never mind the drinking and the drugs and everything. But was that famous quote about when he was with Pope John Paul II, and they were talking about the the, the poor and the needy, and he, and he said to as as a Catholic, he said to the Pope, "Sell some of this. You've got a yeah. gold, you've got a gold ceiling. Sell it." And I think yeah. for, for for me, that's the thing that probably means that I become a hypocrite and I, and I still like him despite all his fault, all his faults is that he came from nothing and he never forgot that he partied and he lived a life, but he never forgot the poor people and the people that were, were beneath him in inverted commas. Um, and I think that I've got a lot of respect for that. And I think, you know, he, he ultimately died, uh, 
a genius of the people. And if you're doing that, then yeah. you're, probably doing, you're probably doing something right, irrespective of what you've done on the on the way. I think so. That's how I. That I think that's how I will. I think that's how I will see him. Is that you know, yes, he he did a lot wrong, but he was a man of the people, and he had his flaws like the people do. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I'm, I'm curious to hear what our audience thinks about it, especially from yeah. a Barcelona perspective. You know, are they, would they put them in the top 10 list, you know? And, you know, what did they view as him as, you know, as a footballer and, and going forward? You know, and that's the thing is that, you know, especially since, you know, we have no more uh, of, you know, him going forward. It's like, it's, it's one of those things the debate is going to continue always and always between him and Messi until, until Messi wins the World Cup. It is 100%. And that's the one thing Messi would have to do to, to, to dispel that. Not that, exactly. think, not, not that I think it's necessary, but, you know, I think it, it will. But, you know, Maradona is one of those people. You know, we had a great time doing the Loudrup one. But I think, you yeah. know, if the, if the next time we have a maybe a long international break or when, when a Liga breaks for, for a Christmas window or something, Maradona is one of those people who you could do. If, we, if you were that way inclined, you could do a whole day with some food and some wine and you could spend the day debating Maradona, but we could certainly do a long pod on him because for those who aren't too sure about his time in, in, in Europe, there is so much to unpack with Maradona. He's potentially the most complex footballer in my lifetime, but what a, yeah. what a, what, what a, what a man he was in terms of his footballing ability and, and what a loss to the footballing world. And sadly, it seems like we're losing a lot of those generations uh, at the minute. There's a lot of legends going, unfortunately, and, I guess that's where we are in life. Yep. Yep. And that's where we are. Well, we're going to change our gears here and we're going to get a quick kind of match review and news on Barca Femini from Charlie Barca. You know, at Barca Talk, we like to also include Barca B, Femini, and obviously the senior team. So Charlie's going to give us a quick report on the Femini. Hello, Barca fans. Uh, things aren't looking good for our club at the moment, but if you need some good news, keep listening. I'm Charlie and this is Barca Talk Femini. Barca Femini played their sixth game of the season against Real Sociedad. In the first 20 minutes, it looked like it could be a bit of a walkover. Uh, but in this time, Barca only managed one goal. This came from some great passing between the players in the Sociedad box. And then Lika Martins played the ball back to Liela, who hit it first time. A dipping shot that went just inside the post and just past the outstretched fingers of the young Sociedad keeper. Both keepers, by the way, have been called up to the under-20s Spain squad. After this initial 20 minutes domination by Barca, Sociedad started to get into the game. The game was now being played in both halves. There was increased pressure from Sociedad which led to a free kick. The free kick was taken quickly. Two touches from two players and the ball was slammed into the roof of the Barca net. 1-1. And this was the first goal that Barca Femini had conceded this season. And in fact, the first goal that they conceded in 962 minutes of play. And ironically, that last goal was scored by Real Sociedad then as well. There wasn't much counter-attack football. This was mainly being played through the midfield of each team. The next goal when it came was from the persistence of Marion, who had fought her way into the box. She beat three players, but before she could get a shot off, it was deflected into their own goal by Nuria. It was now 2-1 to Barca, and that's how the first half finished. The pluses from that first half were that both Lika Martins and Caroline Hanser-Graham had played really well down both wings. Barca really should have had more goals. Oshwala had a poor game and she had failed to meet any of the crosses uh, from either side and hadn't really used uh, the strength and power that she usually does inside the opponent's box. And so to the second half. Both teams continued to battle it out. Sociedad's main chances came from free kicks, none of which Barca let them take quickly this time. 
Barca then made two changes on the 71st minute. Lika going off for Vicky and Jenny Hermosa coming on for the out-of-form Oshuala. The two subs got straight into the action and in just five minutes, uh, Jenny had an assist to Alexa. 3-1 to Barca. Both sides decided to make a couple more changes. Barca brought on Petri and Aitana. At this point, Sociedad looked like they were starting to tire and were chasing the game. Barca took advantage and again Jenny got another assist, this time for Marta, who managed to score off of a rebound. 4-1 Barca. On the 84th minute, Marion played a great 1-2 with Caroline Hunter-Graham and managed to score. That was 5-1 and there was no coming back from the spent Real Sociedad. The five minutes added time was mostly played out with Barca playing triangles. Real Sociedad had given Barca a really good battle for this game, but I think it was only the strength of the Barca squad and the quality of the substitutions that they could make that made the difference. 5-1 maybe flattered the Femini, but they were the better team overall and remain undefeated. Barca Femini are now second in the Liga Iberdrola behind Tenerife, but only because they have two games in hand and they are only one point behind. So this is all looking good for the women this season, who are now taking an international break. When they return on the 6th of December, they will be at home to Santa Teresa, who are 10th place. Before that, though, uh, on the 2nd of December, Barca Femini are in uh, Copa del Reina action against uh, Logrono, who they beat earlier in the season 6-0, so... I'm not really worried about that one either. So, yeah, as I said, um, uh, Barca have played six games. They've won all six. They've scored 29 goals and only conceded one. This is looking like a very good season for the Femini. I've been Charlie. Thanks for listening and talk to you again soon. Thanks, Charlie, for the update. And, you know, up until this week, Craig, the Femini were the best thing going for Barcelona. (laughs) I think we're finally maybe turning around. We're going to talk about the Osasuna match, but before we do that, I just want to give us a quick message about our Patreon community. Our community continues to grow. We're loving the community. We, you know, this past week we had the watch party with Logan. Um, you know, we had content this week. Uh, I did my own video from Barca Talk Cafe. So again, we're publishing Barca content exclusively for our Patreon members, and I know you are really enjoying the WhatsApp group with our patrons because they are tagging you all the time with questions, and I really yeah. enjoy it because. Lately, you know, especially I want to say in the last month and a half, it's, you know, before game time, there's the questions about the lineups, there's questions after, and I really enjoy that kind of conversation that we have with our patrons. And like you said, our patrons are all over the world, which yeah. is awesome. And, you know, they have been great with that. And that WhatsApp group has been awesome. I mean, just like in the, you know, especially like we talked about last week when, when PK got injured, we got the opinion from the orthopedic surgeon. Mm-hmm. And then this week we got the opinions on the lineup right before the game. So I always kind of just check it and look at it. And I always really enjoy it. So. And how, how, been, um, how, how much fun was the Ricky Pooch debate during the week? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and if we talk about people wanting to belong to something, Thing. there's not many other me- me- means that we have in order to jump in and have a conversation about the benefits of Ricky Pooge and the double pivot I mean that's that's real that's real Barca debate so yeah I've I've really enjoyed it the last month or so I think that the debate in there has got really interesting and you know it, it's not it's not just guys agreeing with us it's uh it's yeah, people yeah, yeah, challenging, yeah, sure. challenging us and that's loads more fun so yeah get yeah, get yeah. involved I would say get involved yeah yeah for sure and as little as eight dollars a month you're gonna get a commercial free podcast feed access to our whatsapp group like we were just talking about our friday show that we do and then also our barca talk cafe show with mariana from barcelona and myself so click on the show notes below for the link and become a patron today after the break are we finally turning the corner <laughs> we do our review of the osasuna match all right craig so finally you know obviously the beginning of the week 
we beat Dynamo Kiev and we mm. played the the youth and everyone was happy about it, the outcome and just the way we we're doing it. Today, you know, today we're recording on Sunday. It was La Liga match day 11. We went four nothing. And it was an interesting lineup at the beginning. You know, everyone was debating in our WhatsApp group and obviously mm. on Twitter and so forth. You know, let's go through the lineup. Ter Stegen, Alba, Langley, Minguesa, Dest, Coutinho, Dijon, Pedri, Griezmann, Braithwaite, and Messi. And I guess I have to just start off with, on paper, I was a little bit confused. However, it all worked out. And I think the biggest key to this, especially in the Dynamo game, is Martin Braithwaite. <laughs> oh, God. Um, <laughs> yes, I think you might be right. Um, <laughs> I'm just yeah. going to record that and keep that forever. <laughs> yeah. I, can I rephrase it slightly and say I think it might be the fact that we have a nine, not necessarily that we have Braithwaite. But, yeah, he's, he's played well. I have to give him credit. And we look a different team, don't we? Totally. I mean, that's the thing. I'm, you know, I'm joking. I'm being in jest with this, with that <laughs> Braithwaite. But obviously, the most important thing that he brings is that he is a true number nine, and he's holding the line and doing the dirty work that like Luis Suarez used to do for us, obviously, yeah. and that we've been missing. And that has really unlocked the flow underneath us. I mean, in the Dynamo game, he did the same thing. He's just streaking to the goal, making that traffic, making it difficult. And again, I think Braithwaite needs to start now going forward. I mean, I think that's going to, because he's the only true number nine we have on the team. Yeah. And I think for me, so we, we were asked a question again in, in our, in our Patreon chat, um, not to give it another shameless plug, but because yeah, <laughs> that, that also turned into a really good debate about, you know, if, if we could sign any nine in the world, who would we sign? And I kind of yeah, yeah. half tongue in cheek said I wouldn't. And I think that's because I've got so weary by watching Luis Suarez, or I, I once made a joke and said in Spanish naming customs of the dual surnames, his real name is Luis Suarez offside. Um, <laughs> I got so weary watching Suarez just give offside time after time after time towards the end of his time at Barca that I, I thought we needed a break from a nine. And I think actually you, you said it last week. You said, is it time for us to put Braithwaite in and go go four four two? And obviously it's not quite gone four four two, but your Braithwaite call was a very, very good one. And I, and I wasn't so sure, but... You've seen today two things for me, which is number one, it gives us a focal point to, to try and hit mm -hmm. something to. And yep. number two, it's the first time in months, if not potentially a year, that I feel Messi's held his position. Another conversation we've had in, in recent weeks. And I think not having someone occupy that space, I think it makes people feel more comfortable where they should be. Messi have a re has a reference point. If I'm nearer to him than the line, I'm too far in the middle. Griezmann sure. has a reference point as to where his runs need to go. There's a target for people to hit. And do I wish we had a better nine than Braithwaite? I do. Do I think we'll find a number nine that works harder than Braithwaite? Probably not. So maybe maybe we get through this with him. But certainly the formation is food for thought for everyone. And, and for me, I've got a bit of humble pie to be eating, I think. And I've got to hold my hands up. <laughs> Say yourself and some of the patrons were, were more right about this than I certainly was. I think that's a really great point. You know, I have here in the notes of the focal point. And I think that's really key because not only is he the focal point, but then all of a sudden that frees Griezmann up, right? That's it. And we're going to talk about him in a second. But before, I just want to roll out some stats. Obviously, we had the possession game as usual, mm. about 72-29. And I think the other thing too, and also from the Dynamo game, is the total shots and more importantly, the shots on target yeah. was 20 to 11. And also in the Dynamo game, it was in double figures as well. And that to me is very positive because not only we've seen more active shots, but when you're shooting more, percentages wise, you're going to get more goals. It's just a thing of, of statistics. It's right? so. simple, simple. <laughs> yeah, but one, one point on that there, it's interesting. And I genuinely, I'm genuinely don't know the answer to this. I'm just throwing it out there, but you've said, you know, 
you said as usual we had the possession stats and i would wonder what we this season what are the of our possession stats look like because this is the first game in a long time that i felt we dominated the ball there's been games where we have because the numbers tell me mm-hmm. we have but this was the first time maybe this season that I knew we dominated the ball. I felt we were dominating the ball. It felt nostalgic in some ways. And I'm not saying that yeah. we played the best football of all time. And I'm not no. saying that everything we did was great, but it was the first time that I was like, this is this is Barca. This isn't just a another good football team. So I, I wonder where we are. We have been this season. And again, without jumping around so much, just how much Pedri was recycling the ball and De Jong was recycling the ball. I would love to see and understand that reason and I think it would have been a continuation of that Griezmann role and Coutinho it's because they know what's ahead of them I wonder if they've just been really confused up front not knowing where the lines are not knowing who should be in what channel and and if it's just been too much for players that are used to having that nine in there somewhere because Atleti Griezmann would have done Yep. Uh, Liverpool Coutinho did Messi has spent his career playing with Suarez before that Etu before that yeah yeah Fear for a while, yeah. Before yeah, that, he was yeah. a child. He was a child. He's always had before. someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And then, obviously, Dan Bellet is an idiot and doesn't know what he's doing anyway, so he probably doesn't mind. But um, yeah, it's you know, it, it was it was a really interesting game in that sense that I felt for once we backed up the stats. No, I think that's a good point, and you know, we have to just talk about this because ever since he did the interview here in Spain with Jorge Valdano, Griezmann, I think is finally awake. And I think more importantly, he's just playing and you could see the glimpses on, you know, during the Dianamo game, but this game, I mean, by far was his best game ever. I think in a Barca Jersey, because not only was he bringing the defense and on the second goal, he was able to lead and takeaways and doing the things, but that golazo that he had today, he had an assist. He was all over. And also you can just see, I can feel it off the TV the confidence just brimming now, like it's starting to ramp up, right? Seeing the goal. I mean, let's just take that goal also. I mean, that thing happened so quick. And I sent us, I sent the group of the, the, the goal call from here from Spain. Yeah. And that's the time because you just, it was such a bang, bang play. Griezmann did not think about it. And that to me is the key. And I'm very excited if Braithwaite holds the focal point and this allows this Griezmann messy link up play. I mean, you saw today, they had glimpses today. Even the Spanish uh, commentator today was calling them the Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> and that was very exciting because I like you. I think you brought up a great point that with Coutinho and Griezmann, they've been playing with someone up front to give them that, that frame, right? And I think finally that they didn't have to do that. They were just able to play. And Messi looked more comfortable. I mean, everyone looked so much better today. And yeah. it, I think it all starts with Braithwaite going down the line and then Griezmann obviously playing. I, for me, he was the man of the match. Yeah, uh, yeah, I thought if, yeah, Griezmann was incredible. And also his work, it felt like today his work was uh, organized. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, no one can doubt Griezmann's work, Griezmann's work hard. And I think that's, that's one of the things that's probably given Griezmann a lot more credit than others have got from Barca fans is that, we can see he's trying and, and, and that's the one thing that we've looked at some players and said, you're not even running here. You're not trying, you know, yeah. similar to our point last week. But for the first time in a long time, again, today, it looked like Griezmann's work was very well thought out. He was running in sensible places at sensible times. And again, is that because he's not covering spaces that he's not used to? Is he now going back to what's natural to him? You know, you said they're not thinking. That's, yeah. a sign of, that's a sign of a great player, is that not thinking. Overthinking will kill most footballers because they're sure, sure, sure. a lot of the time. I think that was really, really interesting. One thing I noticed today, and I don't, I don't want to get into Coutinho too early, but with Griezmann and with Brathwaite today, 
I never once saw Messi lose his temper with them, yet he regularly yeah, did yeah. With, with Coutinho. And I thought it was really interesting is that he almost seems to be the two players that all the problems have supposedly been with is that Brathwaite isn't good enough. He's sick of players at the club who aren't good enough. Get them out. Sure. And, that, and that Griezmann should never have signed. And yet you look at him today and he, he couldn't have been more supportive of them. Pedri, Trincao, he was really supportive of them. And I just wonder if, if you're right, if that is it, is that we need a focal point. We've never, we haven't replaced Suarez. You could argue that we haven't replaced 2017 Suarez, never mind Suarez that's just yeah, gone. Yeah. Uh, you know, so even, even when Suarez was in a jersey, he wasn't the player that we had. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe that is the that is the key. That's the thing that Kuman stumbled upon. Is that yeah, yeah, yes, the double the double pivot will work, but there has to be a nine in front. And, and and if that's the if that's the key, then bring it on because I could watch this every week. Last week yeah, I was saying yeah, to you and, and we we were talking and we both said this is getting quite tiring to watch. I could watch this every yeah. week. And if we if we if we don't win trophies, but we play like this, I'm all right. I don't mind. Yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. And I I mean, just think about how many times Messi looked for Griezmann on yeah. those through balls. And that was able to happen because Braithwaite was holding that line, mm-hmm. you know? And those are the things that happened. And even Griezmann was almost able to score in the beginning, I think, the first 10 minutes, you know, where he did the cutback to yeah. Coutinho and Coutinho fluffed it. But like I said, I think it goes back to the Tuesday game against Dianamo Kiev where it's trust La Masia, right? I mean, that game to me was one of the most exciting games that I've seen in the last few years just because I wanted to see the youth shine, yeah. you know? And we saw that today going like what you said with the possession, that it just wasn't the boring possession that we're so used to. It was really direct when it needed to be. They were sh- taking shots from all over. And I'm just going to lead to my next point. I mean, mm-hmm. Dest, man. I mean, this guy to me already – He's solidified as a starter. The speed that he's able to do, the 1v1s that he's taking, and more importantly, Craig, for me, the crosses that he's putting in are really dangerous. And that opens everything up for other players. I mean, when he gave that cross to Braithwaite, obviously that was a good run from Braithwaite. He could have been there maybe a second earlier, and that would, could have been a goal. Mm-hmm. But the, I mean, when was the last time we saw a player, a fullback, actually make those crosses and do it well? Yeah. And, that, that, you know, we, we've, we've been saying on this show for a while about how disappointed we are in Jordi Alba. And it's not it's not an Alba hate fest. But what it is, you know, <laughs> I think what it is, is, is a longing for the player that we had. And, and that's that's what we're seeing. with That's my big thing today was we're seeing with Dest what we had with Alba. Alba yeah. at his peak was an absolute machine for us. And when we had peak Alves as much as as a friend of mine uh, there's a a friend of mine Jason who'll be listening to this he was the best man at my wedding we'll be saying but you spent your life slating Danny Alves I did but when he did good things he did great things and when when, when we had real strong attacking fullbacks that's when we were unplayable and then we just haven't for a wee while and I you know what I was thinking today if we could put someone on the other side that plays a similar way to Destos. And I know it's not as easy as that, but if we had, yeah, yeah. And, and, I, and I don't think Kukurea is the answer, but it, it would be a start. Teams wouldn't know how to defend us because you looked at it, how many times was Brathwaite taking two players away? Dest was taking two players away. Again, simple. We're talking kind of grade school mathematics here. There has got to be Barcelona players free because there's two players exactly. that have got two on them. So I, I thought he was phenomenal today. And I, it, again, in talking about nostalgia, it reminded me of when we had Abidal, Peak Alba, yeah. Alves, real attacking, and just how much that gave us because they're an outlet at all times. Dest was brilliant. Um, the youth, you said it last week, give the youth a chance. And we kind of yeah. said it in a, in a what's the worst that can happen. Well, I think we're seeing the best that can happen is that these kids, exactly. they, know, 
they know the football, they don't feel phased, and that it's there's no fans. So they're never yeah, going to get a no. better chance to play. So I, I'm exactly. really, really enthused by the youth in the last two games. I I think the, everyone that's come in has done a great job. And and like I said, like with Dest, you know, I think he has solidified as the as the starter. You cannot go back to Sergio Roberto because we are we basically lose that right side if Sergio Roberto comes back in as a you know as a right back. And so I think Dest has solidified because that just gives us space. What do you think about that? I agree. I, I will I will get my Sergio Roberto flag and bumper sticker out again and say the guy is a legend and that we need to remember that he's giving us seven and a half out of ten out, out of position every week. Let's never forget that he's not a right back. Um, yeah, yeah. What I was thinking is absolutely. I mean, Dest if he's fit has to start. I mean, that's just a given. What what I was thinking there is Alba is giving us diminishing returns week on week. Until we can get a better option, do we look at Sergio Roberto left back? I'm um, I'm, I'm down to try. Giving it a go. I mean, again, yeah. maybe it's not great. But and the other thing I was thinking is that Sergio Roberto has played centre midfield for us and he's done quite well. Give it, let's see how he does in it in a double pivot. I think Sergio Roberto has a place in the team. He definitely does, but I don't. Yeah, but, yeah. but it, it shouldn't be at right back unless we have to. And, and I think, you know, at least now we seem to have an answer, whereas we've been saying it shouldn't be Sergio Roberto, but we've got no one else. We're now saying it shouldn't be Roberto because we've got this absolute crack at right back for us. And that, that is at least a step forward. I'm, I'm really enthused by Dest. His manner is brilliant. His attitude is brilliant. His confidence, his, his confidence, his, his positional play, his defending, yeah. his ability to beat a man, his passing. I mean, I, I'm so excited about seeing him play more and more for us. I mean, I talked about this in my video this week with Mariana is that, you know, the La Masia players have one less thing to think about when they go to the senior team. They already know the system, the philosophy, right? That's already been ingrained in La Masia players. So when they go to the senior team, most of them have success because they don't have to fit in. They know what to do and they just have to play within themselves. You think about all the debuts. No one's ever really had a terrible debut as a La Masia player, like unplayable, you know, like they, they do average or above average, right? Like no one's ever, see, I'm, I see you thinking, keep thinking. You, I'll, you, I'm going to go to my point and this goes to, Minguenza, because this guy has stepped up because we have no center backs. And since he's a La Masia player, he knows what to look for. He knows where to pass the ball out for outlets. So he doesn't have to think about that. He just has to think about defending and doing the basics. And to me, he, he, he's been a find. He, I think to me, he's got to be in the rotation. He has to be in the rotation. I'll give him minutes because now obviously with long leg being injured or, you know, coming out of the game, they say right now from Spain today, just before I recorded that it's a light injury. So he should be back. But at the same time, we need to use this player. I mean, Wesa has been awesome. And the Diano game, he, I mean, I obviously hasn't been supremely tested either, but at the same time, he has been solid in the back. Yeah, he's done everything. You're right before you go on, I just wanted to. What I was thinking about is you said no one had a terrible debut, uh, well, and I'm, guess, I'm guess, guessing you forgot about Mark Muniesa's debut when he came on okay, in like the 87th so, uh, minute and got sent off <laughs> in the 88th. But I take your point. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm saying starter. Now, let's say like a starter, like a starter, right? Yes, I felt yes, yes. So sorry for Muniesa that game. Do you remember, do you remember that game where he? he, no, tripped, he, he we 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 were winning. We were winning, and he uh, he came on and. Someone went through and he tripped his leg and it was, remember the time where it was the last man went off no matter what. And it was like 50 yeah, yeah. yards from goal and he got sent off and Messi was going crazy. So um, yeah, I take your point though, but the, the, you know, the, the issue that you were saying there about they, they, they don't have to adapt to things that are the hardest things to adapt to because they got used to it. How many, and I agree with you that he's not had to do anything particularly amazing, but how many times did he take the ball 
in a manner that we're used to seeing a La Masia yeah, yeah. and a half set yeah, the ball. Yeah. You know, he he's able to be, you know, the full the full back with Longley very close to on, on the wing. And then that that little inside ball that goes to the centre half who's on his own and allowing that ball to come across you, take the touch and play it to the fullback, that is really difficult. And for a young player to do that, that can only be taught in, in, in somewhere like La Masia. And it's those yeah, yeah. things that will make or break a centre-half at Barcelona. I always talk about Jagrinski, and I've got a real soft spot for Jagrinski. He was a, a, <laughs> okay. some, something, he's a cult hero of mine, I don't know why. But he talk, he talks about it in his interview. He's very open about yeah, yeah. Barcelona and says, it wasn't the tackling and the heading, because I can do that. It was the passing and the receiving of the ball. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't, I'm not used to that. And because realistically, you've got 10 clubs in the world that play the way we do. Properly yeah, yeah. the way we do, where you know defenders yeah. have to be so open, and just to see Minguesa come in and, and receive the ball and play the ball like that, I think he could be a real success story for us. I don't think he's necessarily going to be the next Gerard Pique, but he absolutely could replace someone like Umtiti that just sits on the bench forever. If we, you know, sure. if, if we're bringing someone off the bench or into the squad at short notice, let them be a product of La Masia. If we can't get a number yeah, ten, yeah. you know, the top ten centre backs in the world, let's at least get someone that knows the system and knows the club. And you'd like to think other things, you know, presumably from La Masia, he's got his head screwed on and he'll be a good guy to have around the club. I, I'm with you. I think he's a real find, a real success story. And, you know, I don't want to go over the top and start saying, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, Con, Con, Conrad, Conrad scored the Golasso today. So get him in instead of that, like Coutinho. I'm not saying that, but no, with, no, with, no. with Minguesa, certainly he, in my opinion, he should now not drop out of the first team squad unless the B team yeah. really need him. He looks like a first team player. Let's keep him there. You know, like I didn't know anything about him, like going into the Same, match, right? Nothing, but, zero. I, but we always know from if he's a La Masia product, I know three things. I know he's going to be technical. Yeah. He's going to have a good first touch and he's no, he's going to know how to pass between short distances and traffic. Like those are the three things I already know that I don't have to worry about as a La Masia product. I know he's going to do those three things very well or above average. And it's just a matter of just getting used to the physicality and the speed at this level. But that is one of the things that our free agents have struggled with. You can put Coutinho in there. You can put Griezmann in there. You can, you know, whoever else you want to in the last 15 years, the free agents that have come and not done well is because they could not do these things very well. Mm. Now, Again, I think he's been a find. I really hope he stays on the team because we need the depth, obviously. Mm -hmm. And he's going to get more playing time because we are, you know, with PK going to be out for four months, he's opting for no surgery, which, you know, I still have my thoughts on that, but, you know, whatever. Um, But, you know, there's going to be a spot for him. And I think, as we've always talked about, Kuman going to the youth is going to give him more time and just more, you know, acceptance from Kules because that's what ultimately we've been crying for for the last two seasons is to have more of the youth injection mm-hmm. into this team and you can see especially in today's game the speed the length the the way they were able to attack and press and cover we weren't doing that and it, and so my other question to you is have we seen the last of busquets in the starting 11 oh god oh, why, did, <laughs> why did you do this to me um, and I didn't put in the. I just, I was, you know, I'm just thinking, I'm just, you know, just, just trying to put it out there because I was. You know, so it is the youth positive. movement. It is. Yeah, yeah. I was, in, I was in such a good place until you said that. Uh, <laughs> my honest opinion is, I think not. I think not, but I think we should have, um, because I think Pedri today was an absolute gem in that double pivot role. I still stand by the double pivot being the right system. I really do. Yeah. I st- and I, st- hmm. Going back to our Patreon chat again, I had a, I had a we had a really good debate this week about Ricky Pooge, and I said I just don't see how he plays in the pivot. And I 
I wouldn't say I was outnumbered, but there were certainly some people who felt that was doable. And it was a really, really interesting chat. And the timing was very interesting because we've seen Pedri, who was a similar type of player, perform so well today that maybe that means that not only is Pedri another option in there, but if Pedri can do it, Pooch can do it. And maybe I'm yeah. very, very, very wrong on this. I probably am based on how Pedri played today. And granted, we need to caveat that by saying we're against a, you know, a relatively poor to average Osasuna side. Sure, but, sure. Um, so if that's another few options that we've got, Alenia when he came in, done well. As he Alenia's a great player. He shouldn't be sitting on the bench as much as he is. So do you know what? Everything tells me that he should, <laughs> Busquets should be consigned to a, a benched role. I just have a gut feeling that he won't be. What, what's your take on it? I mean, I, I just think that you, you cannot deny the evidence of these last two matches, the way they've been playing, the way they've been scoring, the way they've been playing yeah. with each other. And I think a big part has to do with this it because it's not being slowed down by Busquets. And unfortunately, I think maybe Busquets comes in as a closer for the last 15 minutes, minutes of a match and tries to solidify that defense. Because if we need to hold our ground and if we're up one nothing in an important game, Busquets can still be of value in those last 15 minutes to not give big takeaways and present, you know, almost kind of like what Keita did for us back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I just think that I would rather roll the die and go with Alenia or Pjanic or, I mean, look at now, all of a sudden, to me, it's almost like maybe we should almost do like in hockey where you do the two defensemen as the two double pivots and they just work in conjunction. So Pjanic with Dijon, for, for example, Alenia with... I don't know, Busquets, for example. Mm -hmm. So you always have like a young and an old to working together. It's not two olds. You know, my fear is, you know, Busquets and Pjanic come in as a double pivot. That to me, I do not want to see at all. I need to see someone under 25 in that double pivot to provide that energy because I think that's still, you know, we're now figuring the top third Mm -hmm. and that is putting the pressure on the other team to not really counter us. But also we need more direct play. We need we cannot slow it down because I just first of all, aesthetically, I just don't want to see it. <laughs> That's the first thing. You <laughs> yeah. know. And like we talked about, like I just I think this is the moment that we just have to ride with Bedri and Trincao and all these young players. And this is the season to do it. Because now, you know, it's funny, after this week and the way Madrid is not playing, because like for example, Hazard out, you know, and the mm. Madrid and you know the, are the competition now is going to be associated with that and Atletico. Those are the two teams that we have to gun for. And I think our depth is better than those teams if we yeah. continue to use this, this youth movement. There's, there's, there's a, lot, a lot to unpack there. You've made some really, really good points. And, and let, let's break them down. So, um, one, it's not that we're gambling on youth because of injuries. It's that the youth that are coming in are playing really well. Trinkau, again, a little bit of a cameo appearance, but God, that guy can play. He is such a good footballer. Pedri, yeah. such a good footballer. And Messi... Messi is looking to play with these guys. Like yeah. Messi for for all his faults as a human being, which clearly, <laughs> clearly he doesn't suffer fools gladly. And, you know, you could argue that he, he really is a little bit harsher than he needs to be on players at times that, that's on his team. He looks to these guys to give them the ball and, and they don't look in awe of him. That's a big quality to have. We looked faster today, as you've said. We looked, that double pivot was moving on block today. So yeah. Pedri and De, and De Jong we're working with each other, but not on top of each other. And that just makes it so much more effective to get out of those tight places. I thought they were really, really, really good. But back in the youth, I think if you're Kuman, and this is this is my my biggest take on what I think Kuman should do, now whether he will do it is a different kettle of fish, is that realistically, we've said it a few times, realistically, he's got at best a season and a half with this club, probably no. until the end of this season, depending on how elections go 
maybe not even the end of the season, depending on what happens. You know, if, if the elections happen and we're doing, we're seventh, they might just come in and clean slate. Probably not, but it's a possibility. But he's, he's not getting more than 18 months. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. What, what legacy do you want as Ronald Koeman? You can either be the manager who kept Xavi's seat worn for him, which as a European Cup winner is probably a bit embarrassing, or you can be the manager that managed a very angry Messi and kept him at the club whilst giving lots of youth players their debut. Now, I would rather be the second one if I was Ronald Koeman. Everything points towards him giving these kids a chance and keeping them in because, I mean, we need to get rid of Alba. He does bits and bobs, but mm-hmm. similar to Busquets, he's got 45 minutes in him and then he becomes a bit of a liability. Give the kids a chance. Be a hero. If Ronald Koeman gets this right, Ronald Koeman could be a director of football at Barca. If he gets five or six kids regularly into the Barcelona squad, he doesn't even need to get them into the team. Like, yeah, if, yeah, yeah. If, if by the time he leaves, Elena's still kicking around, Puja's still kicking around, then you've got Conrad potentially, you've got Pedri Trincao, Araujo, you've got um, Ngeza, if he's still hanging around. If he can get these youngsters into this team, particularly with the financial situation that we're in, small tangent, I think that's why PK is not having surgery, by the way. Would you go and have an operation for a club that's just taken a third of your salary off you? I wouldn't. Yeah, um, yeah that's true. <laughs> and, you know, if, but if Kuma could do that, and he can, he can integrate these kids, he's got a real power play in terms of, maybe a director of football, if not just leaving with a legacy instead of being the guy that kept someone else's seat warm for him. So I think Koeman should, and I think we'll see the benefits of it, even if it's not this season. Again, we've had this conversation. Even if we don't see the benefits this season in terms of trophies, get the kids in now so that we see the benefit next year. And everything that I've seen tells me it'll it'll work. And I can tell by the conversations we've had on WhatsApp, collectively and just with me and you, the way the way we're talking yeah. tonight. I can I can I can see that it's something that kind of, you know, flicks your switch as well. And that's where I am with it. Get the kids in and just let's get back to fast attacking, free flowing, fun football. And you know what? We'll beat Osasuna 4 0. We might go and lose 2 1 next week, but if we play like that, I don't care. It'll be the same reaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as we play like that. You know, in the beginning of the season, we didn't think we had the depth, you know, and now look at what we're, we're producing. And we are yeah. so lucky to have this amount of quality at this youth level, you know, and that's what we've been always pining with our La Masia talent, like just use it. So again, I believe, you know, for the game on Wednesday, it's going to be another youth movement thing because they're away at Fenero's for Champions League. We have group, you know, we have the group stage basically wrapped up. So Kuman doesn't have to go with the starting strongest 11, you know, per se. And he can really kind of just use the same lineup that he did today and maybe even give Messi a break. You know, I don't, you know, that's the thing is, you don't need Messi every minute. And like, yeah. what if you just put Trincao instead of Messi? 100%. I mean, Ferenc Farosh are well-respected in their own league. They're, yeah. they're, all, they're all right. I mean, we spoke about it after we played them. Yeah. They're, they're, they're okay. But we should beat them comfortably. We should beat them with kids. And even if we don't, it doesn't matter because we go through. It doesn't yeah. matter. It's irrelevant to me. I would play the kids. Looking at the Messi one, he needs he needs breaks. If you can't give him a break when we're already through in the Champions League, when can you? And also, you know... Uh, I know Messi and Maradona had a strange relationship, but you've got to assume he's going to want to be back in Argentina at some point for a PR reason, if nothing else. So win some Messi points. If you're Koeman, let him yeah. go back to Argentina. Go and have a rest. Take a week, you know, take, take the week off, come back. You know, win some Messi points with him. Give some other, other players a chance. Give Brathwaite another chance. Even go out some goals. Yep. Okay. You know, I think you could make a case of resting Griezmann as well. But I would play, but I would play Coutinho. And I would say, you, yeah, yeah. You, you're really still not offering much. Go and... Go and play. So I think you know we've got we've got lots of interesting things we can do with this lineup. It would actually the thing that would disappoint me most is if we went and played our strongest eleven midweek. That would really upset me. 
I, I, yeah. I, I want to see 11 changes in reality. I mean, that's not strictly true because I want Mingeza to play and I want, I want <laughs> Pedri to play. But, you know, I want to see, I want to see a lineup where people who aren't Kules look at it and say, I don't know who half of them are. That would please me. That's where I want to be. I don't want, I don't want a FIFA lineup. I want a lineup yeah, yeah. that protects our future and gives people a chance. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I would take any lineup as long as it was people that hadn't played for us before. Give Mateus Fernandez another go and make me look really, yeah, yeah. make me look really silly. <laughs> but why not? If, if we can't, if we can't yeah, yeah. get them in these games, when can we? Yeah, yeah. I mean, part of me wants me to roll the same lineup without Messi and just build this momentum that we're starting to gain. But then I am also yeah. with you. I'm also with you with the seeing, you know, some new people in there to not, you Who know. just got to get a game, surely. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, Pooch, for sure. has to get a game. Elena has to get a game from the start. I would rest a young. I would, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a good there's, point. There's, there's, there's rumors, there's rumors that, um, that long glaze injury isn't as bad as it's feared. If, I mean, unless, I mean, he just, just should be nowhere near the conversation. Even if he's yeah, fine, yeah, yeah. nowhere near it. I wouldn't play Dest, personally. We need him in the league more than we need him in the Champions League that we're already through. I, I yeah. would I would just play kids. I, w- I wouldn't play Tesh Tegan because you just never know. Again, this is this is good. This is great fodder for our WhatsApp group because this is the type <laughs> of debate we always do, right? I mean, it's, I'm 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 just mixed. I kind of want to ride this momentum because I just feel like this is the moment that we've been waiting for to like really pounce on this attacking yeah. free flowing ability. But you know, as I've always said, you have to have the big picture as always, as, especially at this club, since there's so many competitions and so many matches. Well, and then on top of that, on Saturday, they play uh, against Cadiz, and that's going to be a good uh, opponent as well because Cadiz has been playing well this season, mm-hmm. and they are nothing they, – they are, if anything, fearless right now. So that's yeah. going to be another match for that. And so, again, two games this weekend, uh, two games this week, and so we'll, we'll be following up on that. So until next time. Barca Talk is a production of Soundit Media with social media and promotion by Two Point Go and part of the Blaugrana Podcast Network. Until next time, Forza Barca. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.